0: You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. You've been hearing the same old voice, the same old lies. If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life. Oh, there's a better life. If you got pain.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Haven. Let's stand and worship the Lord here today.
0: into your freedom our chains are gone no weapon form shall prevail your word is stronger declaring your great renown your kingdom forever will stay name's that? The name of Jesus. We trust the name of Jesus.
1: We give you thanks for who you are. We thank you for bringing us here on this day after a crazy weather week. But, God, we just recognize one thing, that you are our king, and you are the only king forever. So, Lord, give to us what you have us to know. Draw near to us so that we may feel your presence, and we'll just give you all the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody says amen. Say hi to somebody, and our kids can go ahead and head to our Haven kids.
2: How is everybody oh come on really how is everybody great, great. that's what I want to hear praise Jesus we excited to be here Jack is back in all in one piece didn't leave anything in the Alps or Alps or wherever he was huh the Rockies, the Rockies. he didn't leave anything in the Rockies he brought all skiing parts home <laughs> we're happy to have him back Um, I've got some praises, and uh, I want to start with David, Dorothy, Hope, and a couple others. It's just nice to see you back. I know you've been out for a little while. You haven't been feeling well, so it's just nice to have you back in in our family, okay? And uh, Diana and Gary, I promised I would remember their names. They owe me $5. Cause I'll forget by the time I'm done, sorry. Um, and Donna and Bill, I want to share with you that they're running late today and bless their hearts, their neighbor locked herself out of her house. So they are taking care of business and their grandchildren came and are really strong and went right to Sunday school. So it's all good. Um, we had a lot of prayer requests this week. Viola, Cleo, Bradshaw for healing for Alan. Bruce, Brad Sharp, I think, can't read my own handwriting, Um, and Cordella for healing of their minds, their hearts, and some trouble in their family. So we wanna lift them and keep them in our prayers. Dale, again, for his back, his surgery's coming up. 10 more days and hopefully we will see him back here and and, uh, doing well. Lois, we're gonna pray for your throat test that they're all negative and we're gonna pray for her roof because as a lot of you know, we had a lot of damage from the storm and we're gonna pray for those who are shoveling stuff out of their basement Uh, because it really took a toll and a few of our members here have been really working hard all week to keep their basements cleaned and back to normal and I've been there, done that, so praying for you. Um, Liz and Jenny for healing And Sue, prayers that your flight stays on time. I know you came in and now she can't go home. I mean, what can I say? You're in Michigan, right? And you know what it's doing in Michigan. It's snowing. So uh, we pray that you have a safe flight home. Um, June and Chris are doing well. And uh, Patty has visited with them. They They are adjusting. Um, to losing her husband. So we wanna continue to keep them in prayer. That's what's carrying them. John and Laura White, uh, we wanna lift you in prayer. I know that I heard your stepfather passed away. So we wanna keep you in prayer. Um, Brittany Corlett, I don't see Brittany today, but she's pending some tests and surgeries. So we wanna keep her in our prayers. Jen Wilson prayers for her dad Patty Miller for art, a friend of hers who was diagnosed recently with cancer and was really given some sad news six months to one year even with a chemo. So let's pray for that family because cancer is just a hard thing to go through. Um, And also Larry Garber passed away suddenly and we wanna pray for his family and keep them in prayer. He was a teacher at Bow Manor for 34 years. Um, and he suffered from depression. So, again, I reach out to everybody. Touch another person. You might be the day that saves their life. Um, I also want to congratulate my husband walking out the door. Now he can't hear me. No, 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 no. Uh, he just completed his mental health coaching certificate because he's smart. And he took the course online and he did really well. And he's gonna continue training and become certified. So I want you all to know that. But I want you also to know his wife, who is not a good student, has only finished section one. I have two more sections. Somehow I can't dig out an hour a day to get them done. But I'm coming with him because the program is amazing and it's teaching us how to reach out to those who are not feeling okay, and we want you to approach us and talk to us, that's what we're here for. So I'm letting you know that, okay? Um, and, And I think we're feeling very blessed that God gave us this opportunity to take this course. I know we also have two other Stephen ministers who are taking this course. So we are really expanding the resources that we have in our own church. So reach out, okay? That's what we're here for. Okay, we're gonna go to prayer, put our hands on our knees. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this glorious week of rain. Kidding. Uh, at least we won't have a drought this summer. But dear Heavenly Father, we know there's a reason. A reason for everything you put us through, every step you make us walk, each one makes us stronger. Those times that we fall to our knees is when we get the closest to you and we know that you're there for us. I looked through my prayer box from last year because it's the beginning of the year and it's amazing how many prayers God has answered for myself, for this church, and for many. So remember, no prayer is unnoticed. No prayer is unturned. God is always listening, no matter how deep, how dark, How light it might be God will get you through I want him to put his healing hands on those who feel pain that are suffering through depression those that are dealing with recovery that wake up every day and just say please God get me through one more day I want him to be here with Haven as I see this family grow I cannot tell you being up front and seeing the seats that are absolutely filled Jesus is in this house and he is working hard And he loves us, and I know that we all have a place in heaven. So never give up, and pay it forward this week. Touch one person, just one person. Let them know they are loved. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen.
3: Bipolar disorder,
0: depression, anxiety, ADD or ADHD. We cannot avoid the topic of mental illness. What does this mean for those of us who are born again, blood-washed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet live in this real world where people have real problems and real difficulties? You have to face it somewhere. So even if you want to avoid the subject here, you have to ask the question, what are we as Christians supposed to do?
1: this yeah. pop up here, That's didn't say pop-up, say no, She did papa, she said No, no, she's she meant papa. up so. I've got the video to prove it. So all right. How you doing? Good. Everybody good? All right. So yeah, I'm a, I am in one piece. I'm aching a little bit cuz the body you know, 50 uh, plus year old body doesn't react as well to skiing as, um, well, heck, this body never reacted well to skiing. Let's just put it that way. But um, had a good time. First time got to see some friends, um, old fr- a really old, old friend of mine, and um, and some new friends. So it was it was pretty pretty cool um, to go out there. Beautiful snow that um, you can head out to, and so it was just just kind of neat to go go see that and um, and enjoy that. That was fun. So to get a little break and. Um, the sickness that I had through Christmas um, continued. I finally got rid of the cough, I think, a little bit. Um, anybody had that thing? That thing is just, that cough just sticks with you, like bad luggage or whatever. But anyway, a um, couple things up there. I do want to touch again on Tuesday nights. We just started week one. Um, we were going to be on week two, but you guys had like the monsoon or whatever was going on here. Um, and so we're in the Gospel of John. So if you want to join us, we've got plenty of resources and, th- and um, things for you. Um, and we'll, we'd love to have you join us for the Gospel of John on Tuesday night, 6:30, and then we'll go into James and some other other ones, and then we'll finish up with Revelation. So, um, so we'll finish up right around Easter, and Easter is early; it's the 31st of, of March this year. So, um, we'll be in Lent before we know it. And then on the 29th, I also saw that we have surviving. the I mean, not um, what is it? Grief share. Grief Share, will start again. So definitely challenge anybody who's, who um, needs, wants to work through some things or go through some of the grief stuff. Great, one of the best programs ever put together, and everybody really, really loves it. All right? Up here we have um, a, a QR code if you want your, your bulletin. Uh, your worship guide electronically, feel free to do that. And pray because tomorrow either we're going to be elated or the Lord's going to put us out of our suffering. That means for Eagles fans. All right? So, um, <laughs> so one way or the other. All right? Um, so, here we go. Um, this year, Starting a new year, it's, I used to always um, really struggle starting new years because I was kind of like, some of you remember the old um, Dunkin' Donuts commercial, Time to Make the Donuts. Anybody remember that guy? He was like, Time to Make the Donuts. And sometimes you feel like that as a pastor. You get through the whole thing of Christmas and you're like, oh, We survived, and then you're like, then you see like a blank calendar, um, and you're like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Time to make the donuts. And so, um, in in doing that, um, you know, I I've, the last couple years, in order to keep, I, it used to really bother me. I used to get really frustrated, get really depressed, really down. And so, what I started doing is blocking out for, uh, even longer. And this year, so I well, I was just thinking about several different things to to do, and so I uh, this, it came up to my mind this finding peace of mind. Um, kind of situation, and so what we're gonna we're gonna do do with is I'm gonna be really honest with you today. Today's kind of like an intro to this, and. Um and i 'm going to tell you that I never expected and' uh, it's, many people are shocked that I am a person that in my life I have struggled mentally and emotionally um, and at times and even got to times where I felt like I was going to completely break down because I, you know for what we what we wrongly think is the people who are jovial and, and who are happy and who are who are energetic and sometimes to other people energetic transfers to annoying um, that they tend to be people who never deal with depression, but I often go back to the old Smokey Robinson song, The Tears of a a Clown, that often humor is a way to deal with some of those things that you end up uh, up dealing with. So I had always thought that that was for other people, people who were miserable. Um, people who made you miserable, people who were lonely, and all those other kind of things. And so even in years of ministry, um, most of my years were pretty consistent. Um, I would have some highs and some lows, but mostly the highs were here and the lows were here. And year after year, decade after decade, um, I have been blessed by God in some incredible areas of ministry. And yet um, on the outside, most people had no clue that I was struggling internally. And I I still, why? Because I still showed up. I still did what I, um, what I know how to do. I preached. I looked healthy enough, sometimes healthier than others. Um, and on the outside, everything looked pretty, pretty normal, um, as far as I can be normal. But on the inside, it was nothing but chaotic and unsettled. And um, I, would, I remember one year um, going to a conference. And I went to a conference, and they had a, a card that you filled out afterwards. And I filled out this card, and there was one person who, um, who spoke there. Um, and I actually got a chance to meet him a couple years later and, and tell him thank you. But um, he started his message, and his message was, I went on a sabbatical, and for the first six weeks, I found out, I tried to discover my escape plan for ministry and um and he was speaking a lot of things to me at that time and i wrote on this card i came here to this conference wondering if i was going to stay in ministry and then i heard the pastor and it it really helped helped me and so i felt better after this conference until i got home and they sent out a follow up letter and on there it said jack cohen from it said jack c from port deposit maryland said um, he came here deciding whether he's going to stay in ministry or not. And what did I do? I panicked. Oh, my gosh, what if somebody sees that? And then all the stuff that helped me before, now I was in major panic mode and feeling even worse. And I told when I got a chance to talk to him, I said, thanks for doing that. But, um, uh, and, but what, what started happening in my life was a uh, little by little, year after year, There was a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more, and then we all have coping mechanisms. And so then we put coping mechanisms in place, and then um, they work at some point, but then it started getting to points where I'd say, I can't deal with this anymore. My coping mechanisms were not working as long, or they just weren't working at all anymore. And I thought, I can't continue like this. Um, But, you know, I did start saying, this is going to get me, and, and it's probably going to kill me, and... And is that too real that you feel like it's? Good? And sometimes you have areas, and you, you've seen, like, um, we'll see some people in scripture that go this. Sometimes you say, the only way I'm going to get out of this is if I die. You know, anybody feel like, Lord, just kill me, all right? You know, we'll have a nice funeral, and then I'll go, oh, I can rest somewhere, right? And we may feel that way because that's where we are at times. And uh, is that too real, or do we have to play the churchy thing, and do I have to put on my halo today? Um, Because um, one of the things is people think, oh, gosh, and one of the things I told myself, I've got to be super pastor. I can't have any problems. I've got to help with other problems. And I'll tell you what, it, it was coming along, but I never saw it fully coming. So... I thought it was going to kill me, and here I am at this point, probably a, l- a little over two decades in ministry, and I n- I need help. And I was embarrassed, because that's what happens a lot of times. A lot of times people need help, but then you're embarrassed because you're thinking you've got to be one thing, and you're not feeling that thing. Any- anybody here? And then before you know it, you're like, well, I can't go to anybody local because they... I know this county, right? <laughs> or I know people, and I don't want anybody to think something's wrong with me. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm not just a Christian. I am a pastor. I have a master's in divinity. I am a divine master. And, and I need to be strong for everyone. And sadly, there's some of you who can relate to those, that mentality right now. We're outwardly still showing up. We're outwardly maybe smiling and we're trying to do our job. But inwardly, you're battling some things. You're battling real depression. You're ba- battling chronic anxiety. And you just feel stressed and you just feel like you're on a rat race or on, on a treadmill. And there's just too much. You can't handle it all. Um, and you might snap. Like, you can't handle, when I say, oh, that might mean something very little because that's the point. And you may just burn out. And if you find yourself struggling mentally, I want to tell you, you're not alone. You're not alone. And we're going to talk about that. Over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about, um, we're going to do a, a series on mental health in a message series that I'm, going to call, that I'm calling Finding Peace of Mind. And today, the title for our first message, which is kind of like an over, overarching thing to kind of get us into this, is called Mental Myths. Mental mess, and so I, what I want to do, I want to. I, a lot of times, I'll start with a prayer, but I want to give you a prayer with eyes wide open. Okay, we can do that. Like you know, when you, you, if you're driving down the road and you feel like praying, please keep your eyes open. And so that's what we're going to practice today. And it's a prayer that um, that Paul gave in First Thessalonians. It says, "May God Himself, the God of what, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ." The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it, and he will do it. So that's my prayer for you. May the God of peace bring you healing. Look at the person next to you and say, God is my peace. Is my peace. Look at your second choice and tell him he's your peace too, all right? All right. So if you're online, type God is my peace. All right. It, it seems that um, things are actually improving in some areas of the church world. For years, people said that the church shouldn't talk about mental health. It was treated like somebody else's problem, and we're not going to talk about it in the church. And wrongly, sometimes the implication was because you're a Christian, you shouldn't struggle mentally. Because you're someone that has come to Jesus, Jesus fixes everything. And I'm going to give you my best country preacher voice here. All right, you ready? I got one. Dear sinner friend... Is that pretty good as a start? Um, he's going to save you, you know, and He's going to redeem your soul, and He's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost power, and He's going to... Oh, see, there's a Pentecost. And He's going to work all things to bring good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Amen. There you go. All right? Now, the thing is, that's all true, right? He does save you. He does forgive you. He does redeem you. He does fill you with His power. He never leaves you, and everything... That happens, God works for the good of those that love him. All that is true, but it's incomplete. And I want to say this, I want you to hear me this. Just because Jesus saved you, just because your sins are forgiven, it does not mean that he fixes every error of your life instantly. All right? And that's something that we need to know. Because a lot of people think that you come to Jesus and boom, everything is perfect now. And that's not how it is because we live in a fallen world. Jesus does not fix every area of our lives instantly. I've never heard somebody say, you know, I was reading the Bible the other day. And I called Jesus and he saved me. And then all of a sudden, look, I have washboard abs. <laughs> right? I don't even have to go. I just said, Lord you know, this is your body. Do something. Boom. You know, you were like flexing. Never seen that happen before. If, you, if it does, find that person for me um, and we'll, we'll work that. Or, you know, I came to the altar one day, accepted the Lord, gave my life to Jesus, and my credit score improved. It was amazing. Or I, I, all of a sudden, I got, my hair got thicker. You know, some of us say, oh, I got hair, right? Um, uh, You know what? My thighs got thinner. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Or my bank account is now over six figures just by accepting the Lord. I've never, ever heard that in my life. In other words, just because you come to Jesus, it does not mean that your boss is now going to be nice to you. It also doesn't mean that you instantly become mentally healthy. All right? So when we talk about mental health, you may say, what are we talking about? So I want to try to unpack this a little bit here today. And first of all, I just want to acknowledge that I'm a pastor. I'm not a Christian psychologist or a counselor. I am actually um I'm actually actively in school to get my clinical mental health master's degree because um I'm 53 and that's what we almost 53 and that's what we do. But no, I just felt God calling me to do that for several years and that's something that I'm that I'm doing um just for me and also for, for others, I just feel like that's something God wants me to do. But um, I want to unpack this a little bit. And, um, and I've, I've read numerous books, some I don't like to read, um, and others um, I, I have a number of connections over the years. And, but ultimately, right now, I am not deemed an expert. So I'm going to focus more on the spiritual, but I have spent time talking with many others who are in the expert field on this and looking at lots of things. But mental health is going to include three areas, and it's going to be your emotional, your psychological, and your social well-being. And it's very important because our mental health is uh, is not actually something that's fixed or level all the time, meaning that um, you can be real healthy for a little while, and then something happens to you, some moment, you can have a change in your body and it can kick off lots of things, or you can go through trauma and you may be really healthy one moment and then the next moment you may be in a very bad place. And sometimes you may not even know why you go from a point where everything seems great mentally and then all of a sudden it's, it seems so dark and so, so heavy in life. And your mental health actually impacts how you feel and how you think. Um, And how you think impacts how you feel, and then how you feel and think impacts how you act. For instance, anybody been really, really hungry at some point in your life? All right? Are you, you know, like, remember the Snickers commercial? Some of you turn into Betty White and start tackling people, right? Um, But your mental health determines how you handle stress around you. It determines how you relate to people and how you make choices. How you bounce back from difficult situations or how you don't bounce back from situations. Sadly, there's many people that have been in such a, a dark, depressing place that, and they never reached out and they never were able to make it out of that. And many um, took the ultimate uh, cost by taking their own lives. How do you bounce back or how do you don't bounce back? Your mental health may determine how you cope if you go into to the wrong sources for comfort, or if you make the right choices, uh, it can determine how, even how you choose your friends, or how, or the quality or the not so quality of your marriage or relationships. And there are so many misunderstandings when it comes to mental health. And today I'm going to try to build a foundation, and then we're going to build on top of that in the next uh, six, seven weeks, all right? So there's two mental health myth, uh, myths, two that I've noticed that go around the church a lot. And... Um, And the first one is, a lot of Christians believe that Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health. And this is a myth, meaning it's wrong. That if you're a Christian, because you're filled with the Holy Spirit, because you've been saved, you shouldn't really battle with anxiety, or you shouldn't be depressed, or you shouldn't be burned out. And if you struggle with one of these things, then it's probably your fault. You don't have enough faith. That is wrong. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Or you're praying a lot, or you're not praying enough. Or there's some kind of sin. I love this one. When somebody comes in and you either you're physically um, un, you're physically broken down or you're mentally broken down, somebody says, "Well, there must be some kind of sin in your life." And I say, "There's going to be one called murder in a second if you don't get out of here." You know that is that is so crass and so um, non-compassionate to people. And then um, and they'll tell you that you better get that sin out of your life and then then you're going to be good. But you know you still have this anxiety and this and you're overwhelmed or you're, uh, and and then you're feeling burned out and you're struggling. The main point is this. You can love Jesus and still fight depression. You can be in the Word and have the longest Bible streak reading in your devotion or your Bible app of anybody you know, and you can still battle with anxiety. You can attend church faithfully and sit in the front row and lift your hands and worship and tithe and serve um, in the four-year-old room. And still struggle to overcome trauma. And part of that trauma is probably because you're serving in the four-year-old room. Um, But seriously, when you look at Scripture, some of the people that we preach about as heroes, some of the ones that we look at, and put, I call them stained glass people, people that we look to, heroes of mothers and fathers of faith, with all that faith and with all that amazing things, they still struggled mentally in many ways. Some of those examples are, are this. Elijah. Elijah was a cocky guy. With the... Prophets of Baal and Asherah, eight hundred of them. He stood there, and he would he, he called out to them. They had this contest where they would go ahead and give a sacrifice, and the, it was a, it was a contest where okay, you go ahead and you make a sacrifice, and you call to your gods, and and to bring fire down and burn it up and then I'll call them mine. And they went ahead and all these all these prophets are, are laying it down and, and they're praying. They're cutting themselves. And Elijah's having a good old time. It, he's sitting there. He's going, hey, why don't you yell a little bit louder? And maybe didn't hear you. And then at one point, the literal translation is this. Yell louder. Maybe he's in the bathroom. So he's having fun at their expense. He's like, hey, he's a cocky guy. And then all of a sudden he says, all right, take that Fill it with water, fill the trough with water, pour water over it. And he says, God, show him who the real God is. Fire comes down. He says, kill them suckers. And then, the, then later Jezebel uh, says, if you're not dead like one of them, I'm not who I say I am. And he takes off and he runs 900 and some miles and goes and hides in a cave and wishes he was dead. All right? How did that happen in that amount of time? Because he feels, and one of the things he says, he says, I'm the only one left. I'm alone I'm depressed. And he says, I wish you would just kill me and I could die. How do you go from that moment to the other thing? Mental health and depression. David, a man after God's own heart, who is a little boy, stands down the giant Goliath and says, why are you coming at the armies of the living God? Why are you coming at that? I'm going to pick up this little sling and do this. And he says to this giant, he says, by the way, I'm going to cut off your head and I'm going to feed your body to the birds of the air. In class, like, yeah, right. And that's exactly what he did. And he became a great king. Yet David battled with deep despair and wondering many times if God had abandoned him. Jeremiah. I don't ever want to be Jeremiah. He's known as the weeping prophet. And every time he opened his mouth, somebody wanted to kill him. Uh, You know, and, and he battled with loneliness and insecurity. And he actually even cursed the day he was born. These are people who are major heroes of faith, and I could go on and on and on. And so if you find yourself like so many people today are struggling in mental health and you don't know what to do, the message sometimes in the church is you just need more of God. You just need more of God. You just need more of God. And I came to tell you here today, yes, you do need more of God. We all do. But you also might need some more sleep. Um, You also may need some better friends. So you may need a small group. And you wonder why you feel alone and disconnected and you don't have people standing with you because maybe you haven't connected to a small group of people that are there committed to love you not only because of you but because of their love for God and the journey with you. So how in the world are you going to stand strong against the forces of darkness when you don't have committed friends standing nearby, committed with faith to pray for you? So what I believe we all need is we need a holistic approach. Um, Our whole body is connected. We saw right in that verse, body, soul, and spirit. You might need a better diet. might need to go to the doctor. You might be having hormonal changes. You might need some deep therapy or whatever the case may be. And if you're struggling, because so many people are, um, and you're saying, I don't know if I can make it. I feel so anxious. I feel depressed, and I don't know why. And I'm praying, and I'm trying, and I'm going to church, and I'm seeking God, and I'm trying to do better, and it just still seems like I can't make it. If you're struggling, it does not mean that you are not a good Christian. It means that you are a human. All right, And there are a few myths that I said around churches. The first one was, as Christians, um, we shouldn't struggle. The second one is, God doesn't care about your mental health. He's too busy. He's got bigger problems. Have you seen what's going on in the world today? He's got a United States election to fix, or whatever. Um, You think God has time to deal with your crazy whatever? Uh, He doesn't have time for that. But when you look at Scripture, especially the Psalms, anybody ever just sat and read the Psalms? And The Psalms are interesting because they're really songs. And there's so much in the Psalms that talks about how much God cares about our life. Like, for instance, here, I'll share a few. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. And this one, which I know you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And your mercy and goodness shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Does that sound like a God who doesn't care? God does care about you. You can go to the Psalms and see how much He cares about you. You can go to the Psalms also and see people who are breaking. People who love the Lord, who are breaking down, who are struggling mentally. There's a lot of Psalms that are really cool to put on a coffee mug. And I'm going to show you one. Um, but I'm going, to show, I'm going to show you several. But I'm also going to show you one that you don't want to put on your coffee mug. All right? And it's Psalm 88, written by a guy named Haman. Um, and when I was a kid, there was this really cool cartoon called Masters of the Universe. Like right here. Anybody see it? Right there. I think it's up there, right, Melinda? There you go. Anybody ever watch He-Man? He-Man? All right, it's not him. It'd be really cool if he was the one writing. Like every every uh, every verse would be, by the power of Grayskull, you know, right? And then you would, anybody watch this besides me? It's absolutely awesome, right? Um, and so um, this guy, He-Man, he's the guy there. Um, he was also a prince, but then when he would lift up his sword and yell, he would turn into He-Man. Um, and he had a girlfriend named Tila. She was there. And then he had Duncan. He's the guy in the green that was, um, that was... That was Man-at-Arms, man right? You know, they all kind of changed their names when they, like, this power of grace Grayskull came up. And he had the little cringer, like, where's he? Oh, he's battle cat. He's not even in there. He became battle cat, but meanwhile, he's a little wimp. I'm sorry, I'm reliving my youth. Yeah, just go along with me, all right? Um, but um, but uh, this is not him, okay? Um, so, okay, I know it's sad. Um, but... Um, but Heman is a guy that you wanted in your life in the Bible. Heman is somebody you want in your life, too. But um, Heman was well respected, and he was one that everybody looked up to. And I just want to show you a couple of the qualities that we learned from different scriptures about um, what, who Haman was known for. He was somebody that we learned in 1 Kings that w- had great wisdom. He was very, very wise from the Lord. He had a, a great musical ability that we learned in 1 Chronicles. He was a talented musician and one of the worshipers and... Um, was, had incredible musical ability. He was committed in parenting. We learned that in 1 Chronicles as well. He had a lot of kids, and the implication was that he was a very committed parent. And he was in service to the king. Um, he was very, very faithful in, ser- in service to the king. And he was a man of God. He was a leader. What we would say probably, a, if he was today, a leader in the church. A guy that you would go to, um, that, to that would work. Um, you would go to him to get advice. A guy that you'd want to be your father-in-law or your father, and in Psalm 88, he said in one of only two psalms that don't have a positive ending. One, all the psalms. This is one of two that doesn't have a positive ending, because a lot of times in the psalms people will like kind of complain and sometimes they'll whine, but then they'll always say, "Hey, but you're God and you're faithful and we love you and you're." Gonna, you're they all end well, right? There's two that don't, and uh, I. I wonder how many of us can relate to Haman here. And look, at this is what he says. He says, I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave. Sound like he's a happy camper right now? Nope. What else to say? Whom you remember no more. Who are cut off from your care? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, with my prayer, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? And this is one of the saddest verses in all of Scripture. You have taken from a me, friend. Uh, wait, you have taken from me, friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. And some of you are thinking about, "Hello, darkness, my old friend." Right? That song, right? The sound of silence. But that's where he is. He's alone. He's depressed. He's upset. Yet This is a guy who we just learned that he is, has great wisdom. He's got great musical ability. He's a committed parent. He's faithful service to the king. He's a man of God. And yet at this point in his life, his closest friend is darkness, and he's feeling the weight of depression. You see, one of the things that he he definitely gets right that in the middle of all this, in the middle because in the middle of his despair of darkness, in the middle of all that despair, he continues to turn to God. The very thought that he may be hurting and desperate and alone. He still turns to God. And some of you may be in the same way. You may be feeling like darkness is your own friend. You may feel like you're ostracized and alone. You may be in a room full of people and feel alone. I've been there. And yet, one of the most awesome things that you've done is you are here or you're watching online and you're still turning to God. And we need to do that. Because it tells you somewhere buried in the middle of darkness, we still need to turn to the light of the Lord. He says, but I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. God, you're the first place to turn. And even though he's crying out to God, he's not finding the peace that he needs or wants. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? Friend and neighbor are gone, and darkness is my only friend. He loved God. He's a man of God. And this is in the Bible. This is the guy who wrote Psalms. This is the guy who wrote worship music. And I love that there's no positive ending here. I love it. Why? Because it shows that God is not afraid of our honesty. It shows that he cares that he cares so much about you and loves you so much. And he recognizes that he, his love does not change even when you question him and you may worship him and you may hurt. And when you hurt Just know that he cares. Darkness is my closest friend. That was about where I've been a couple times in my life, still preaching, still showing up. And down internally, darkness was becoming my closest friend. Fine on the outside, dying on the inside. So I was um, in in my late 30s, early 40s, um, and I had reached a point, like I said, where all my coping mechanisms, none of them were working. They might work for a little bit, and, you know, often what, like, uh, what I would do is I'd go to a conference, and I'd be like, "Whoa, okay, I'm good. And that would last, and that might get me through another year or another time. But before I knew it, those weren't lasting much at all, particularly when they send letters with your name on it um, out as well. But um, I was still doing that. So I ended up to a point where I said, I can't do this anymore on my own. And so I got over my pride and I did some research, and found a counselor. Um, and you may say, you called a counselor? Yes, I did. And you should all be very thankful that I did. Um, and I want to remind you something. I want to remind you, getting help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. All right? Because um, so many of us feel guilty about that. But getting help is, a sign, is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. And And so several years ago, I was meeting with my counselor and I remember going in feeling like, you know, you you feel like, part of me felt like a failure, all right? Part of me felt like, well, I should just be able to suck it up. I should just be able, and I just couldn't. And so I went in there and I remember just like saying like, I'm in really bad shape. I'm in really bad shape. And what I discovered is I was visibly healthy. Um, even at a point before this, I decided, oh, well, if I get really healthy physical, that'll take care of everything else. And it was good for a while when people were like, oh, you look really good. Oh, wow, you're working. You're doing... But then that tends to go away, too. Um, and so I, I, um, I was healthy for the most part, spiritually healthy, for the most part, relationally healthy. And what I found out is I was, I was mentally exhausted and I needed to reframe my thinking patterns and my coping mechanisms because we all have coping mechanisms and, and ways we, we deal with things and they're not always healthy. Often they're put together to help us survive, all right? And in this process, um, I, I remember having some conversations with my counselor and one of those was, and I want to ask you, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your what? Your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So uh, f- some follow-up questions that were really interesting. Am I loving God with all my heart? Well, yeah, I am. I really feel like I am. Am I loving God with all my soul? Well, yeah, I believe that. Am I loving God with all my mind? Well, how the heck do I do that? Right? And so that, that creates a quandary. And some of the things I learned, I shared in, if you want to go back and listen to the series when we did Mindfield. And, um, and one of the key things about that whole series, Mindfield, on, on our web or on the app, it, it says that your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So if your strongest thoughts, think about your brain, let's think about the brain for a moment. The brain is actually built over time. All right? And it starts at birth and it starts to evolve. And what happens? The brain makes these connections, 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 and it keeps doing that. And they're called neural pathways. Everybody say neural pathways? All right. Great. Very good. You can use that in a sentence at Walmart afterwards. All right? And for the first years of your life, you know how many neural pathways your brain is making? About one million per second. All right? That's why little kids don't let they pick up everything that's bad, right, and everything that's good, they get it, but about every second, one million your brain is making uh, connections that much. Then after a while, your brain starts to learn and it starts to adapt, and the connections are simplified, and when they, when they don't need those connections, there's a process called pruning, and it cuts away the things that your brain says, "Oh I don't need this," just like when you prune away branches." So what happens? Your brain gets more efficient and starts to think patterns and Once you think a thought, it's easier to go down that thought pattern again. And so it's like a mental path or a mental rut. The way I think about it is if you ever see a place where they might have like a sidewalk that comes like this and then goes like that. But there's a building here and there's grass. And what do people do? They walk across it. And the first time they walk across it, the grass pops back up. Well, When people keep walking across it, walking across it, walking across it, what happens? You have a path. All right. And what happens in our brain is when, we, when, when, we, when it prunes away the stuff we don't need and we think in certain ways, we start heading down a path and we, we have this path, so it's an easier path to go down. Now, here's the good news. If, if you have good thoughts and healthy thoughts, then that's a good pathway to go down. However, if you have negative thoughts or, or bad thoughts or, or ways that you, you think negatively or just, or just bad things— and you keep going down that road, that is not a good thing. And many of us have gone down a neural pathway, maybe because what somebody said, maybe because something that happened in life, maybe because we had processed it, maybe just how we, we heard it, and we've been going down this path so long that we can't relate to anything else. So when we hear about the changing of our mind and that God loves us, we can't take that because we've been going down a neural pathway that says we're useless and we're worthless, and we, we can't get off that pathway very easy. You know what I mean? And so, so we have, that's why when the scripture says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that we've been going down neural pathways that are bad for us and Satan loves it because he wants to tell us that we're garbage, but we're told that we're children of the King and that if I was the only person here, Jesus came to give his life for. That's hard to deal when you have a lack of self-worth or when you have a depression or an anxiety and those things are there and you've been heading down that path for years and heading down that path for years, it's easy to go to that path. It's difficult to turn that path around. And so, if, if you look at this, like, as I said, being, um, being seeking help is wise. And, for instance, if your body is not healthy, what do you do? You go to a doctor, right? You may change your diet. You may exercise. You may get treatment for where your, whole, your body is unhealthy. If your mind is unhealthy, what do you do? Historically, many of us have just tried to deal with it ourselves. And and then we go to churches, and many times churches say, "Oh, well, just pray more and just do that." No, if if your mind, body, and spirit, then you you know what you also need to do. You also need may need some help. You may need a doctor or professional counselor, and also you need the great physician. You need to turn to Jesus as well to help renew your mind. And one of the things that is very interesting, and I'm going to shock many of you who know me, my mind never shuts off. <laughs> All right, um, and um, and you know. I had a counselor tell me one time, your mind is the busiest one I've ever seen. And I said, oh, thanks. They said, that's not good. (laughs) All right? So, um, you know, um, and so one assignment that they gave me at one point was to come up with three things I've never done. And I came up with like seven to ten. And they said, nope, too many. Because the goal was for me to think about those things and then start them. Okay? Do something different in life. Try some hobbies. Do something difficult. But it's hard because... We get in patterns, we get in ruts, and we just go through them. And we may hate the patterns and ruts, but we stay in them. And we do that because our our lives are sent in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And I don't know about you, how many times have you ever been doing something one day, and then all of a sudden, some thought comes in your head that somebody said to you when you were 12 years old. And it could have been a positive, or it could have been something negative. And it's there, and it's driving you. And then all of a sudden, then you're spending time not, and if it's negative, you spend time to say no, I'm not bad, And you spend a lot of your time and effort to prove that you're not. And meanwhile, then you're feeling that you are and you're struggling. And before you know it, you're headed down this rut time and time again. And depression and anxiety is just weighing. And darkness becomes your best friend and your closest friend. What I didn't realize is the goal for doing new things and, and, and transforming the mind was trying to disconnect my mind on everything else so I could reconnect it with God. That's why there's a thing called Sabbath. That's why there's a thing called being still and knowing I'm God. And I can tell you, I am the first person. I am the worst person to pray by going, okay, bow your head and let's pray. Because this mind is thinking about everything else but that. Anybody with me? So I have to pray walking around. I keep my eyes open, again, because I don't want to run into anybody. Um, That would be very interesting. But I got to move and you know that's very Jewish because they rock back and forth okay so maybe it's a genetic thing who knows but what i'm saying is you know you got to find out what works for you so that you can focus on God and who He is. And I can tell you, at first I was like, okay, I'm gonna disconnect. I'm gonna do this. I did this thing. Um, it was like uh, this um, where you sit down and you play this music and you go ahead and you go, okay, I'm gonna disconnect. And the rest of you have somebody like, breathe deep, like that kind of thing. And at first I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And then I'm like, I want to claw through a wall, you know, because I, I, it just doesn't work for me just to be still in Him. That voice, I'm like, why don't you have a normal voice? You know, that's where my mind goes to. And so, so we've got you got to figure out what works for you. And my mind would be stuck. I'll tell you, a lot of times I would be sitting there and I'd be thinking about God and trying to pray, and then all of a sudden I'm thinking about church, 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 church. At the time I was teaching, I'm talking about teaching, teaching, and doing this. And, and oh, I got that person, I gotta help that person, I gotta be there. And all this stuff starts to clutter, and I'm not taking time to renew my own mind because I'm thinking about all the other things that are going on, because my my life is headed in the direction of my strongest thoughts. And that may sound spiritual that you're just thinking you know, church, 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 church. But that's church, that's not God. It's a huge difference. And for me, it's a danger. One of, the, one of my coping mechanisms in life is get so busy so I don't have to think about anything. Anybody been there? You, th- you, you just fill your life with so much and you're just like, I, they say, how are you? And you're like, oh, I'm exhausted. Why did not you not do that? No, I'm just, I'm exhausted. Like you're, you love being exhausted because you don't have to stop and think about your life. You don't have to think about the negative neural pathways you're heading down. And you don't have to think about the feelings of depression because the feelings of exhaustion overtake anxiety and depression. But guess what? It's still there. Darkness is still your close friend. And one of the hardest things for me to do is to disconnect. My mind from things because I'm usually in the past or in the present and uh, in the future. I'm never in the present. And there's one verse I want to share that can start to help you disconnect your mind from the wrong things and connect to the right things. And it's from Isaiah 26:3. If you want peace of mind, here's the foundation. That's what we're doing here today. It says, "You will be kept in perfect peace, all who trust in you." And look at this: whose thoughts are fixed on you, God? You'll be kept in what? Perfect peace. Perfect peace. Not just occasional peace when everything's going the way you want it. Not just a momentary peace that when you feel good in the moment. Not just a circumstantial peace where you have a moment, you're like, huh, uh, that's nice. But you'll be kept in perfect peace. So my question is this. What is perfect peace? The Hebrew language is pretty awesome. As many of you may know the word for peace in Hebrew, it is shalom. Everybody say shalom. Shalom. And it's really cool because in Israel, uh, in, it, in Jewish faith, it's, um, it's also, a, a, it's like a greeting. Like, hey, how you doing? It's shalom, 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 shalom. Uh, okay, uh, all that kind of stuff. It's something that's used a lot. Now, what's really cool here is there's two sections that he uses shalom for peace, but the author does not say shalom. He says, shalom, shalom. Everybody say that. Shalom, shalom. Okay, um, I saw you who didn't. Um, but um, shalom. Shalom. <laughs> And what he's doing, when a word is repeated in Hebrew, it's used for emphasis. It's like shalom squared for mathematicians. Did I do well, Terry? All right. I always got to check my math with Terry. All right. Um, but it's like, I'll give you another example. It's like when your kids are in the back, in, right behind you in the car, and they're acting up. I'm sure none of your kids have ever done that. And you go, "Don't you make me pu- don't you make me pull over. Don't you make me pull over right? I'm going to, I'm going to get, you know, and then, then you grow in the point where you don't say it. You just swing, right? You know? All right. Um, all right. So, um, that's when you get wisdom. All right. But, um, obviously you know what I'm talking about. All right. So you re- but you repeat it for emphasis. Oh, don't, don't you, don't you do that. Right? Shalom, shalom. It's, it's lots of peace. And the other says, shalom, shalom. And who's going to experience that? Those whose thoughts are fixed on CNN and Fox News. Oh, that's right. No, not at all. Those who are just sitting around scrolling through social media because they just want to go ahead and have true peace. Nope. You'll keep in perfect peace those whose thoughts are fixed on the Lord. The Hebrew word here, fix me, is this word "samak." It actually means to prop, to rest your full weight on an object. You just be like, boom, put your whole thoughts on God. Just rest them on there. Just lean them on over there. If you're like a lot of people right now, you may not be doing great. There's tension. There's uneasiness. There's heaviness. You don't know where to turn. You don't like your job. You're not really liking the people around you. You're not really liking yourself, and you're just not okay. And if you're not okay, it's okay. One of the things that we need to do is disconnect our minds from what what is unhelpful. And we don't just fix our eyes on what's helpful, but we fix our eyes on God, on God, on God. Lean on it. And we start to create neural pathways. That's science. Science backs up what the Scripture says. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and put your full weight on Him. Scripture backing up science. You know why? Because God set it in motion in the first place. Scripture says we renew our minds and not be conformed to what everybody else is doing. The the, the craziness, the toxicity, the hatefulness, the bitterness, the negativity. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. How are we transformed? Not by saying things, not by doing things that look good. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. How do we get that? By focusing on the author and perfecter of our faith. So when we can, dis- can get to a point where we can disconnect our mind, it's difficult for many of us, we can start to connect to at least one spiritual truth. And here's a good one. It comes from 2 Peter 1.3. And it says, His divine power. Whose divine power? God's. It's God's power, not mine. It's His power. It's not my power. It's His. By His divine power, God has given us everything. How much has He given us? Everything we need for a godly life through the knowledge of Him. It's His power, and He's given us everything, not just part of it, but everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him. It's His power. We just need to fix our mind on His Word again and again. So instead of saying, I can't do this. This is too much. This is going to kill me. I'm never going to get it all done. And nobody understands. Nobody cares. You are right if you're dealing with it on your own. Yes, you are correct. But God has given us everything we need. And so God is my source and my strength, and I have everything I need to do what he has called me to do. Everything, and that's for everybody. Instead of of focusing on what we don't have and how we can't, renew your mind by focusing on a God who can and will. I have every, say God is my source and my strength, and because of that, I have everything to do what He's called me to do. God is my source. God is my strength. In Him, it's His power. It's not mine. It's God. It's God. It's God and His power. According to Scripture, He has given me everything I need. And what, what is the everything I need? The people I need in my life He has given me that I can turn to. The resources I need, I have. The friends I need, the counselor I need, the strength I need, the word, the energy, the power, and the mental health, and the strength. He's given me everything Thing I need over and over and over and over and over again, but I can't keep heading down those negative neural pathways. So, what happens is this. So, I start changing my thought patterns, and when I started changing my thought patterns, I was healed instantly and I'm perfect now. <laughs> I wish, right? I wish it was that easy. It wasn't instant and it's still not. There are moments and it's a journey. But on the other side of several struggles, I find out I got there by the grace of God. I don't know if I hadn't made a choice back in my early 40s to go to my counselor to start a a process of, of rethinking and redoing things differently. I don't know that when 2020 came, filled with a lot of stuff, there was a pandemic, remember? And there was a lot of personal hardship. There was loss of... Parent, both parents in four months and a, a best friend six months after that and a mentor six months after that and then a year later another mentor and a lot of other craziness. I don't know to this day because people say, I don't know how you're doing it. And I would say, what other choice do I have? I can tell you if it wasn't for me letting go of my pride and realizing I had some stuff that I had to renew and I needed some help, I don't know that I would have made it through any of that. Do you realize that the numbers of pastors who commit suicide is one of the top jobs in America, where pastors commit suicide? There was a guy, um, Jared Wilson, who was very open talking about depression and anxiety, and he he had a whole ministry at a mega church out in California to um, to people who struggled with depression and suicide and he went and did a funeral for a young girl who had taken her life. He has two small kids and a a loving wife. And he wrote lots of books about working through that. And he came home that day and he killed himself. Here's somebody who had worked through answers, but he had gotten to a point where darkness was his only friend. Don't ever let darkness be your only friend. There's always somebody to reach out to always somebody to reach out to. I think of Pastor Rick Warren who wrote The Purpose Driven Life, who helped millions and millions of people see that God has a purpose for his life, and yet his own son struggles so deeply with depression and anxiety that he took his own life. As a father, how do you reconcile that? But instead, they recognized that God takes all things for good, and they took their son Matthew's life, and they went ahead and they shared some amazing things, and have more resources to reach people. They miss him, and they, I'm sure they would do anything they could. I know we had, um, we had uh, represent the parents from Sean's house come, something that we support. And, and on the outside, Sean looked like Sean Locke looked, he had everything ahead of him. Was in the NCAA tournaments, a captain in the University of Delaware, had a good job, a great family, but struggled with depression, that ultimately darkness that, he, that was his only friend became the thing that took his life. His parents miss him more than ever and would do anything to have him back. But what they did is they took the house and now there's a place in, in I think our youth are headed there today, in Newark, that is open 24 hours a day to help with this. There are resources. Don't ever get to a point where darkness becomes your only friend because you'll find out it's not very quickly. And, you know, what I started to realize in my life, one of the things for years that I tried to mask or hide, I can't let people see me because I'm a pastor, I'm this, I'm that. But, you know, I started to think, I think God allowed me to experience something so I could relate to what's going on, so that I could grow closer to Him, trust Him more, believe in His power and not mine, utilize professionals who are gifted by God to help walk and journey with me. In there, And come out with truth that just may change somebody else's lives. Because Satan, our spiritual enemy, is attacking everywhere. There's nothing more than he would love to do than destroy your life. And, you know, sadly, Christians are pointing the finger at each other and criticizing on and on and on, and we're worried about things that don't mean a hill of beans. And so many people in life are just not doing well. But you can keep in perfect peace when you keep your eyes fixed and your thoughts fixed on him. So here's what I want to share with you where we're going to go the next couple weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about anxiety. The week after that, we're going to talk about depression. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about worry. I'm sure nobody in here is worried in your life. The week after that, we're going to talk about chronic negativity. A lot of us just have a negative processing thoughts and the negative world viewpoint. The next week after that, we're going to talk about trauma and deep pain and deep healing. And the last week... We're going to talk about something called burnout. Um, And and where do we go? And ultimately, we're going to live out the promises of Jesus. And what's the promise of Jesus? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. He says, I do not give as the world gives. He said, my peace. My peace. My peace. Not a peace, but my peace. And when did Jesus say this? Anybody know when Jesus said this? He said this right before he was going to the cross. Right before he was taken captive, he said to his disciples in John 14, he said, hey, I'm going to give you my peace. Think about that. The night before he had the worst agony possible, the night before he went, just a few hours before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, where we learned that he was in such agony and prayer that droplets of blood fell from his head because um, it's a, it's a, medical term called hemodidrosis, when you are in such agony that that the blood vessels break in your head and mix with the sweat. That's where Jesus was. So in his own his own uh, human nature, he wasn't fully at peace with what he's doing. He went and said, Father, take this from me, but if you can't, not my will, but yours, yours be done. And yet he's promising peace to them. And when he accepted the cup that the Lord gave from him from his, his suffering, death, and ultimate resurrection, he went with it. So much so that when he's on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. You think that's somebody who taught us how to fix mine on the Father? So real peace is found in the presence of God. It's shalom, shalom. It's peace even when you hear bad news. It's peace when you lose your job. It's peace when your relationship is struggling. It's peace when your kids are making decisions that are wrecking your heart. It's peace when you're hurt by those that you love the most. It's peace when money is tight. It's shalom, shalom. It's peace from God. The world can't give it. You can keep looking for it, but the world can't give it. And guess what? If the world can't give it, the world can't take it away. And God has given us not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind when we fix our eyes on Him. And so let's end with the prayer that I started with today. May God Himself, the God of what? peace sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. And guess what? He will do it. He will do it. Why? Because he cares. He's here. He's faithful and he will do it. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's stand and let's worship the Lord here today. And I know that um, for some of you, um, you you may need Somebody to pray with today, and we have that.
3: Um. All right.
1: I was thinking as I I was skiing, because I told you my mind never shuts off. but as I was uh, skiing, and you can imagine this going down the slopes, um, that sometimes you're heading down and you're like, okay, I got this, right? I'm, I'm cruising along. I got this. This is good. And then at least when you expect it, uh, you either get lazy and your skis cross or you catch something and next thing you know, um, you should be on America's Funniest Videos, as you're tumbling and and you're like, and then you go, wow, that hurt. And you lay there. And one of the most humbling things is when the little kid comes by and goes, are you okay, sir? (laughs) And and you say, I'm good. I meant to do that, you know. Um, But um, it's humbling. And you know what? Uh, There was one point where I I went past my friend. I don't know why I'm sharing this, but because I like self-deprecation, I guess. But um, I was, when my friend went down, and I, and I said, oh, I'm going to pass him. So I went down. But the problem was I missed the um, trail for, like, the, the blue, because it's green and blue. And I got to a place that it was all black diamond mogul hills. <laughs> I had that moment in my head where Jack says, that 16-year-old mindset, I can do this. And then somebody came by, and I saw him, and I'm like, then the 50-year-old Jack goes, I can't do this, <laughs> and you know what I did? I took off my skis and walked up the hill. <laughs> Some of us have gotten off trail. Some of us have a neural pathway where we're in a place where if we continue on a pattern, we're going to wreck and it's not going to be good. Today's the time where you can take off your skis, start walking up the hill, and let me tell you, I found out that altitude thing is real. You might huff and puff, but you know what was really cool? Somebody came along and said, hey, I'll help you. I was like, nah, nah, nah. And she was a little thing. and I was like, no, 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 that's okay. And she's like, no, no, I'm snow patrol, and I felt like a really big wimp. But you know what? The load was lighter when somebody helped carry. There's people here to pray with you, to help you lift the load and get a little bit lighter. To get back on the trail like I needed to. So I can have a safe journey. Fix your eyes on him and recognize that this is a church. This church is called Haven for a reason. To be a safe place where you can connect to others and to God. And that's what it's always from the moment it it was the intention of this place. There's people who are here to pray with you. I'm here. Others are here. But more importantly, Jesus is here. So let's just worship him today. Bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you for everybody here. I thank you for everybody who's struggling. That today may be the day when they say, hey, you know, I um, am. The patterns that I've had, they just aren't working. And so I need something different. And so Lord, here today, as we start this process, that they may, that today may be the day they say, I'm going to call that counselor. Or I'm going to join that small group. I'm going to come to, I've had so much grief in my life that I'm going to, on the 29th, I'm going to come to grief share. I'm going to take a step to get on the right path because they're just not working anymore. Whatever it is, God, let them know that you love them and that darkness is not their closest friend. Darkness is an enemy because as the gospel, John told us that the light shines in darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. So, God, for everybody here, I pray that exactly those who are walking in darkness will see the great light of Christ Jesus and then do the things and go through the things that may test pride, that may test other things, but will we'll get to a, to a whole place. And that they, when they get there, they can say that it was their faith in you and others that helped get them there. So, Lord, whatever it may be at this time, maybe somebody for the first time needs something even even to a greater significance. Maybe somebody today needs to say, hey, I need a Savior because my life has just fallen apart. And Jesus, you're it. So I'm going to put my faith and trust in you. And I want you to live it out. Maybe somebody has been so broken by something that has happened to them that they become something completely different. And they're tired. They're tired mentally, physically, and emotionally. And they just need to come back to the Father. Whatever it may be, God, you work your way and we'll give you praise. We know that this is a time where we receive uh, our, our tithes and offerings. And for those who are visiting today, we do not expect you to give. We want you to receive what God has for you. For everyone else who is giving, thank you for your gifts and for your presence and, and serving the Lord. We just thank you so much. God, take that and multiply and use them for your kingdom here in Haiti with our brothers and sisters and all around the world. And we'll give you praise for who you are. Because, God, we know, we know that you want us to find peace of mind. And that happens when we fix our eyes on you. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Are you hurting and broken within? is calling bring your sorrows and trade them for joy from the ashes a new life is born jesus is calling See you. Oh. You
1: found. All right, everyone, have a blessed and awesome week, and be safe, and if the, that white stuff called snow comes there, have fun. All right, God bless.